You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Cyber risks and cyber talks at the G20 summit. China may be looking to the Russian model in the near abroad as it thinks about its next steps in the South China Sea, the current state of Russian-American relations in cyberspace, the risks of shared cryptographic keys, an Android Trojan evolves, industry notes, contracts, patches, acquisitions, and lawsuits, and you want extra bacon with that? Trust us, you don't. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, September 7th, 2016. The G20 summit, which concluded Monday in Hangzhou, the first time the session has been held in China, saw foreseeable fears that those attending the summit would be the target of cyber espionage. This has been par for the course at G20 sessions in recent years. Policymakers and others attending were warned to expect a variety of hacks and other intelligence prospecting. Warnings focused on Chinese intelligence and security services, and given point by the current atmosphere of great and regional power competition over territorial rights in the South China Sea. That particular competition has had a cyber dimension that's widely expected to increase. The Hague ruled against China's claims in July, and China's rivals for control over the South China Sea, primarily Vietnam and the Philippines, have experienced cyber espionage widely attributed to Chinese intelligence services. Observers think that Russian hybrid warfare in the near abroad, particularly against Ukraine, may provide Chinese security service with an attractive template for action in the matter of the South China Sea. Hacking and the construction of artificial islands would seem consistent with that assessment. China is also widely suspected of having been responsible for the OPM breach discovered and disclosed last year. The U.S. Congress has just released the results of its long inquiry into the compromise that affected tens of millions of Americans who held or applied for security clearances. It's highly critical of the way the Office of Personnel Management handled and secured the personal data it collected and held. We'll hear more about this breach in upcoming podcasts. If concerns with respect to China have mostly to do with regional territorial claims and industrial espionage, the principal concern in the U.S. with respect to Russia currently involves fears of election hacking. Circumstantial evidence of Russian involvement in recent compromises of U.S. political sites has induced U.S. officials at the meetings to seek a firmer line with Russia over cyber conflict and cyber norms. Russian involvement in U.S. elections could take the form of a direct attempt to hack paperless balloting systems, but that's less certain than the information campaign Moscow is generally regarded as operating, the goal of which appears to be casting doubt on the legitimacy of U.S. elections and the U.S. political system as a whole. Those operations are believed to have had so far at least three known components. First, intrusion into election databases, which demonstrate vulnerability even though the content of such databases is widely and often legitimately available. 
Second, high-profile hacking of political party and campaign organizations, initially quiet, then late this spring, noisy. And the shadow broker's sock puppetry that purports to have exposed Equation Group attack code. There may be a fourth incident, possible compromise of former Secretary of State Clinton's private email server during her tenure in office. House Minority Leader Pelosi has called upon Republicans to stop exploiting alleged Russian cyber capers involving Democratic campaigns. The FBI released its findings last Friday. This morning, at the Intelligence and National Security Summit in Washington, Director of National Intelligence James Clapper declined to comment on these incidents on the grounds that they're being investigated by the FBI. He did, however, say that he foresaw increased cyber activity by adversaries that include Russia, China, and transnational actors like ISIS and ISIS's successor groups. We'll have more notes on the Intelligence and National Security Summit later this week. SEC Consult warned last year that too many embedded devices were sharing cryptographic keys. The situation apparently hasn't improved, and concerns about those devices' vulnerability to man-in-the-middle attacks continues to rise. We'll hear shortly from John Liesebauer from our partners at Quintessence Labs, who tell us all about cryptographic and key management standards. Kaspersky warns that an evolved version of the Googie Trojan is now able to bypass Android 6 defenses against phishing and ransomware. Most people agree that cyber attacks are coming in faster and more frequently. We spoke with Gabby Nisri from Ayehu, where they specialize in automation that they say can help combat the increasing velocity of incoming threats. It's not only any more firewalls and antivirus and uh, endpoint detections. It's now protecting against internal users and protecting by, you know, protecting people and protecting machines from people, actually. Describe to me where are some of the areas where automation uh, can really make a difference. So, you know, automation is a game changer. The moment you add automation to the game, you are able to reuse you're able to repeat, and you don't have to do it all over again manually. You can test whatever you build. Once you test it, you can go then and implement that. So for example, you can take automation into the world of data uh, enrichment, incident enrichment, uh, collecting data, investigation, forensic uh, work, and so on. And it, it can take all the long process from the moment you have an incident until you are kind of able to analyze what's going on, kind of cut it by 90%. So take only this part of uh, data investigation and forensics, and basically you can uh, squeeze it into minutes and even sometimes seconds. It's a huge advantage to have that because you can actually respond quite faster and to contain and maybe even to remediate the incident before its impact the entire business. And why do you think that, that so many people are afraid of automation? Fear of not being able to control the process. Fear of what will happen if the machine will do something instead of us. And again, it's just about education, and it's just about uh, people to trust automation. We know, we know that most of the attacks and most of the uh, uh, hacks that are being now today, these days are being you know, done by machines. 
So the war, it's against machine, it's not against real hackers that sit on the other side of whatever the planet is, where he sits. And, and he, the guy is actually in real time now doing some stuff. Like machine against machine. To f- kind of beat the machine, you have to be a, 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 on the other side using machines. So I think it's a process that people will start to see how machines evolve in their day-to-day. And again, in IT, I, I believe it's already already mature market. I wish security could learn from IT what they have achieved so far with automation. So it's not only tools, it's processes and knowledge and content that these guys need in order to be able to fulfill their responsibilities on the cybersecurity risks. That's Gabby Nizri, he's CEO at Ayehu. In industry news, Google has issued patches for the recently discovered quadrooter vulnerabilities. IOvation has acquired authentication shop LaunchKey, and the Department of Homeland Security has selected Imperva's SecureSphere web application firewall and SecureSphere database firewall for inclusion in its blanket purchase agreement for continuous diagnostics and mitigation tools, continuous monitoring as a service. And in less pleasant news, well-known intelligence unicorn Palantir is said to be suing one of its early investors. The allegation is IP theft. Finally, you want extra bacon with your router? Trust us, you don't. It appears that Cisco ASA devices were among the more prominent targets threatened by the extra bacon exploit leaked by the shadow brokers. Too many of those devices are said to remain unpatched for comfort. Cisco did promptly develop and push a patch after the exploit leaked. So as always, keep your patches up to date and hold the bacon. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber.
And I'm joined once again by John Liesebauer. He's the CTO at Quintessence Labs. John, I know you wanted to share some information with our listeners about the standards when it comes to cryptographic and key management. What do we need to know about that? Common standards uh, help enable interoperability. It's important, though, that the standards we use are properly defined, unambiguous, and vendor-independent. There are standards for almost every technical field. For cryptography and key management, there are standards from organisations such as the IETF, OASIS, OSI, the IEEE, NIST, ANSI, the payment card industry, and plenty of others. There's, There's no problem finding a standard in the, in the cyber security world. Uh, two of the most more important interoperability focused standards though for cryptography and key management would be PKSIS 11, which is public key cryptography standard number 11, and KMIP or KMIP, the key management interoperability protocol. Both of these standards are currently managed by OASIS, the Organisation for the Advancement of Structured Information. And so uh, digging into those, I mean, how, how do we deal with them uh, and what part do they play in uh, in cryptography and security? PKS11 is a standard for cryptographic application programming interface. It defines a, a vendor-independent API performing cryptographic operations such as encryption and digital signatures and also key generation. Uh, PKS11 turned 25 this year, so it's quite an old standard. Uh, it was originally managed by RSA as an industry standard that moved to Oasis just over three years ago. Uh, P11 is widely used in cryptographic products, from smart cards to hardened security modules and database encryption to web servers. Uh, similar standards to the case 11 would be Microsoft CMG, or CAPI in the old days, uh, the OpenSSL API and the Java JCE interface. In fact, both OpenSSL and JCE support cryptographic providers that present a PKS11 interface. The other standard I mentioned, KMIP, uh, specifies a protocol for the exchange of key management messages between key management clients and servers. It specifies operations such as create, register and get for objects like symmetric keys, key pairs and certificates. It's a relatively new standard. Uh, It was first published in 2010. All right, interesting stuff. John Liesebauer, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With Identity Orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's the Cyberwire. 
We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey, listeners. We're always looking for ways to improve the N2K CyberWire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey and share your feedback now.